The scripture for the sermon this morning comes from Paul's letter to the Romans. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory about to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not of its own will, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly while we wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. This is a holiday weekend, and some of y'all may not know who I am. You're saying, who's that guy standing up there? We don't recognize him. Well, I'm Gordon Johnson. I'm a deacon in full connection with the Central Texas Conference, and my wife Candy and I are uh, serving the church on an interim basis during the hustle and bustle of Pastor Jane being gone and people, uh, Pastor Dan being on work camp this week. So the reason why I talk funny is because I'm not from Illinois, okay? (laughs) So just so you'll know. We are continuing our... Re- oh, it's already got, the, I was going to say the real stuff, but never mind. It's not real at all. It's a movie tonight. Um, oh, Brother, Where Art Thou is the movie we're going to be talking about this week. Uh, George Clooney, anybody know George Clooney? And you ladies like George Clooney? I thought so. Thank you very much. And um, this is a uh, movie that's been out uh, probably close to 20 years by now. And I'll read you the official wording of the description of this movie that's uh, given to us by the movie makers. Ulysses Everett McGill, played by George Clooney, is having difficulty adjusting to his hard labor sentence in Mississippi. He scams his way off the chain gang with simple Delmer and maladjusted Pete. It kind of sets the scene for you. One is simple and the other one is maladjusted. Then the trio sets out to pursue freedom and the promise of a fortune, buried treasure. With nothing to lose and still in shackles, their hasty run takes them on an incredible journey of awesome experiences and colorful characters. Indeed, it does. So the, the strip we're going to see, the, the video we're going to see, I don't, they haven't had film strips in a long time, have they? I'm dating myself. So the video we're going to see is at the very beginning of the movie and sets the boys off on their adventure. Y'all understand that okay? (laughs) Well, my mother's from Georgia and my dad from Texas, and even I had to listen to that several times to uh, understand it. So I'm going to make it easy on y'all. I'm going to give you a translation into... (laughs) somewhat modern English. So the question is, do you work for the railroad, Grandpa? I work for no man. Got a name, do you? I have no name. You seek a great fortune. You who are now in chains, you will find a fortune. It would not be the fortune you seek, but first you must travel a long and difficult road, a road fraught with peril. Uh Uh-huh. 
You shall see things wonderful to tell. You shall see a cow on the roof of a cotton house. And oh, so many starlings. I cannot tell you how long this road shall be, but fear not the obstacles in your path, because he has vouched for your reward. Though the road may wind, and yea, your heart grow weary, still shall you follow the way, even unto your salvation. This search starts out on a lie. Delmer and Pete think they're going for buried treasure. What they're really going for is for Everett to get back with his wife. If the story sounds familiar, because the story, this movie was based loosely on the Odyssey by Homer. Our hero, Ulysses Everett, is really trying to get home to his wife before she marries her suitor. The wife's name in the movie is Penny. The original wife's name is Penelope. So you get the Penny, Penelope, okay? We've got that parallel running already. There are other parallels between the movie and the Odyssey. We have Song of the Sirens, a Cyclops, a blind prophet who you've already seen, and all kinds of adventures. But sadly, no lotus eaters. I was really hoping for lotus eaters in this movie, but not a one showed up. There is a baptism scene in this movie, and I'm pretty sure there was not a baptism scene in the original Odyssey. It's a very good movie. Several of y'all have seen it. Probably the music is even better than the movie itself. The most famous song coming out of this, I guess, is that song, I'm a Man of Constant Sorrow, and Down to the River to Pray, and also that classic, I'll Fly Away. And there's, there's lots of music in this um, movie. And even if you don't see the movie, go get the soundtrack. It's well worth it. Now, one reviewer said that this movie had a strong message about the gospel, meaning the Christian gospel. And at first I was skeptical because uh, me, like everybody else, I was hooked on the, the comedy. And even if you don't know the Odyssey very well, if you, you know, you focus on things other than, okay, how is God working in all of this? But after several viewings of the movies and some readings, even I finally got the light about this. And my enlightenment began with remembering about the concept of God's preferential option for the poor. Preference is given to the well-being of the poor and powerless in society in the teachings that God gives us through the prophets and from the preachings of Jesus Christ. And I'd like to make a comparison to kind of highlight this. In Matthew, Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, that sound familiar to anybody in here? Jesus says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. But in the gospel according to Luke, Luke has Jesus on a plane, not on a mountaintop. And he says, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Now that's a significant difference. In the gospel according to Luke, Luke has a preferential option for the poor as well and believes that God does as well. So it's not just being poor in spirit, but it's being poor that Luke lifts, has Jesus lift up in his sermon. Then I ran across a quote from Diedrich Bonhoeffer. 
And Bonhoeffer wrote, God is not ashamed of the lowliness of human beings. God marches right in. He chooses people as his instruments and performs his wonders where one would least expect them. God is near to lowliness. He loves the lost, the neglected, unseemly, the excluded, the weak, and the broken. And this is how our movie begins. How much lowlier can one get than being an escaped convict? Escaping from jail, fringes of society, hunted by the law. So we need to know how is God going to interact in the lives of our three main characters and their additional traveling, traveling companion, who is a young African-American man who believes that he has sold his soul to the devil so that he can play blues music. Now this is a theme, a tradition in blues music that if you go to a certain crossroads in the middle of northern Mississippi, you go and you meet the devil there, and the devil's going to make you a great musician. The price you pay is your soul. So as we've seen already, our movie starts out with a prophecy. A prophecy of a long journey with obstacles or obstacles and the finding of a fortune, but not the fortune the boys expect. So when we think of prophecy, a lot of times we think of fortune tellers. Our blind prophet here was something of a fortune teller, talking about what's going to happen in the future. But when we read Scripture and we use the word prophet and the word prophecy, we're not talking about fortune tellers the way we understand fortune tellers. In Hebrew, the word navim, the word for prophet, means a spokesperson for God. When God uses prophets, it's not to foretell the future. It's oftentimes in the Old Testament is to warn Israel or Judah that you guys are going down the wrong path. And there will be consequences. Now, you're not going to be punished because of your sins. You're going to be punished as a result of the consequences of your sins. You, when a prophet tells Israel or Judah to turn away from the path they're taking, there is always an option. They're not saying this is going to happen. What they're saying is this could happen. You need to change your ways. Prophets in Scripture tell of possible doom of opportunities and of good times. But the recipient of the prophetic message, as I just said, and I'll say it again, always has an option to respond to the warnings and not suffer the consequences. But sometimes we don't even know that God is speaking to us and more often, we don't know when God is speaking through us. So what I'd like to do is look at some messages that we can receive from God's spokespersons and see how the prophecies work in the story that we're talking about. This, oh brother, where art thou? One message that God transmits through the prophets is God's desire for us to repent from the prophet Joel. Rend your hearts and not your clothing. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and relents from punishing. Now, Delmar, you know, see the 
maladjusted one or the slow one? I can't remember. Doesn't matter. In that scene in the movie where the guys are out in the woods and then all these people start showing up and singing down to the river to pray, it's a baptism service. And Delmar gets gripped by the Holy Spirit and he tears down to the river and he interrupts the orderly line of the baptisms and gets himself baptized. He gets himself dunked and he comes out and he says, all my sins are forgiven. Even that bank robbery. And, and Pete says, but you've been telling us you didn't really commit that robbery. He said, well, I did, but now I'm forgiven. And Everett, being always the wise guy and the seer of the bunch, says, yeah, that's okay that Jesus has forgiven you for your sins and your crimes, but the state of Mississippi has not. Later, when they meet Tommy Johnson, the young black man who says he's just sold his soul to the devil, Everett reflects on the situation. Well, now Delmar's given his life to Jesus, and Tommy's given his life to the devil. And Everett says, I guess I'm the only one who remains unaffiliated. So, Next, the prophets transmit God's unconditional love from the prophet Jeremiah. The Lord appeared to him from far away. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you. Again, I will build you and you shall be built, O virgin Israel. Again, you shall take your tambourines and go forth in the dance of the merrymakers. Well, this prophecy just works right into our movie because of all the music and how our boys get famous through their music. In the story, the four traveling guys come up, excuse me, come up to a radio station that for a few bucks you can record a record. Well, they record the record and they become famous throughout the land as the Soggy Bottom Boys, but they don't know that they're famous until later in the movie when they start singing the song and they see the reaction of the crowd at a political campaign rally. And they, they understand something's happening here that they don't understand. How are these people responding to us? Through their music, our intrepid travelers find unexpected fame, the fortune they never expected, or at least the steady income, and a pardon from the governor. The third thing we learn from prophets in Scripture God declares God's intention for us to thrive. Jeremiah 29, 11. For surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for harm, to give you a future with hope. Now this is a favorite passage for a lot of people because this passage speaks to them individually. The original audience for this verse was not an individual but for Israel as a nation because Israel had gone so far off the deep end God has just got through saying a lot of harsh things to Israel and about Israel but God is showing God's love and forgiveness to Israel saying but you know I've got a plan for you I want you to prosper I want you to live in hope And George Clooney and his gang 
obviously are living in hope. He's hoping to get back with his wife. Delmar and Pete are hoping to find this fortune, but they find so much more. They do find a redemption. They do find jobs. They find a future with a hope. George Clooney's character, Everett, is finally bona fide. It's a pretty funny scene with his daughters talking about how their mama's suitor is bona fide. And they're going to be stepchildren to this uh, man, and George is not real happy about that. But through their trials, beatings, all of their misadventures, including being turned into a frog... I'll let you see the movie to find out about that part. The boys persevere. Everett, Delmar, and Pete would not seem to be heroes in the traditional sense. Yet when their friend Tommy is threatened with a lynching by the Ku Klux Klan, they respond and save him, get him out of that danger. And that's how they end up at the big political rally where they meet with their, their pardoning their fame, their fortune. George gets back with his wife. And they overcome what I guess in 1930s white Mississippi is their biggest crime is that their group is integrated. That's uh, what what the son of the uh, governor said. But Pappy, he's integrated. Well, he didn't care because... It's amazing what votes can do for a politician. You know, hey, all these people like these people. I like these people too. Even Tommy, the African-American youth who, who thinks that he sold his soul to the devil in order to play his music, receives accolades and seemingly is included in the job offer from the governor. And what you and I know is that Christ had already paid that price for Tommy. We can't give away something that we don't have. Jesus owns our souls. Tommy doesn't, obviously doesn't understand that. He believes in the myth initially that he has, has to sell his soul to the devil in order to be successful. You and I know that our success doesn't come from the opposer. Our success comes from the love of God. God's unmerited, complete, and total love for us. So I'd like to sum up reflecting on the words of Jesus and on the words of Bonhoeffer again from Luke 6. Then he looked upon his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. And Bonhoeffer, God is not ashamed of the lowliness of human beings. God marches right in. He chooses people as his instruments and performs his wonders where one would least expect them. I think this movie is a great lesson in that. Escaped convicts running from the law in a hopeless situation manage to interact in the lives of people to not only give the people around them hope and joy, but receive the benefits of hope and joy and the fulfillment of goals wished for, hope fulfilled, not because they actually knew what they were doing all the time, but there, there has to have been some kind of a guiding hand in all of this story. 
So our takeaway from this movie is this. There's nobody too poor or too rich, too fat, too skinny, too tall, too short, that can't be used by God, that can't be offered to be used by God, who can't respond to the love of God to live out the hope in their lives and to provide hope in the lives of those folks around them. And for that, I thank God. Amen.